<coughs> well, we're in the Psalms. Brother Glenn Crawford's with us, and I'm so glad to see him. I've mentioned Lawrence Crawford many a time. He was my mentor. He was the one that pulled my ears back if I zigged when I should have zagged, etc., etc. And so I have, I'm indebted to somebody who can straighten me out. Like the person that said, you misquoted that scripture. You said, flesh and blood have not revealed it. Well, actually, no, I, I, Luke 24, 39 says, uh, Jesus said, see me, it's I am not a spirit. I am flesh and, he said bone. Because he didn't have any blood. He shed his blood. <clears throat> in the Psalms, for how many Psalms? 150. There are so many Psalms, and the book is so long that it's divided into five divisions. We call them books. We finished the first book when we finished Psalm 41. So from 42 on, we're in the second book of the Psalms. Which one of the Psalms? We look at this evening, this afternoon, however we want to designate our time. Time. Rhymes with time. 49. 49. 49. My dear wife, I want to tell the tale on her when she was told, come she gave me that look. <clears throat> when she was in high school, the teacher asked, when did the 49ers first come to California. Well, the fact of the matter is gold was discovered near Coloma in 1848. And when uh, Marshall went to Sutter, he said, Sir, we found this stuff. And he said, Don't tell anybody. You know, it's kind of hard to keep gold as a secret. So that was January. But it wasn't too long before gold fever caught on. And the rush actually began in 48. Marsha had one of these young buck teachers. And she had a question. And what year did the gold rush begin? Marsha was right. She wrote 48. Teacher marked it wrong. She said, that's why they called the 49ers. Well, they were called the 49ers. But actually started in 48. Did that teacher ever apologize? Well, shame on her if she didn't. <laughs> There's a line in Moby Dick, the greater fool ever scolds the lesser. So we don't want to scold too, too loudly. But we're looking at Psalm 49. While there are chapters in most books in your Bible, there are no chapters in the Psalms because each Psalm is a standalone. And so we started... A while ago, one Sunday, one psalm. So we'll read the psalm, and then I want to speak as this psalm speaks to God's estimation of man. There are a lot of folks like to spend a lot of time trying to figure out God, and they can tell you who God is and how He thinks and how He operates. But <clears throat> we need to know what God says about man. We get some insight on that from this 49th Psalm. 
Hear this, all ye people, give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline my ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon my heart. Wherefore should I fear the days of evil, when the iniquity of my heels shall come past me about? They that trust in their wealth, boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever, that he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish, and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is, what do people think on the inside? Listen up, this is what God's telling us. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever, and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. <clears throat> he is like the beasts that perish. This their way is their folly, yet their posterity approve their sayings. Like sheep they are laid in the grave, death shall feed on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall consume in the grave. From their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Be not thou afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul, and men will praise thee. When thou doest well to thyself, he shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. Man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. I know I say this a lot, but there's a lot in this song. And I'm cherry picking, if you will. We have a saying, what goes up must come down. And in our experience, men in their esteem of themselves and others, sometimes you're a hero and sometimes you're a zero, up and down and all around. Who's the only constant in this universe? Only the Lord. The songwriter put a beautiful tune together change and decay and all around I see oh thou who changest not abide with me I'll let you in on a secret I'm moody and you probably are too I have my good times and my not so good times I have glad times I bad times I have sad times but God is a constant in so many ways, we are not like God. The tendency of man is to think, 
Well, God's just like us. No, he's not. No, he's not. And this song accentuates some of that. Well, first of all, let's think of a man on his way up. Oh, he's ten foot tall and bulletproof. He can do anything. You set his mind to it. Uh, I think it was Sister Nina was telling me after the message that there are some people that tell folks that when Jesus worked his miracles, he did it as a man. As if to say, you're human, you can work miracles too. Just make up your mind. There's nothing to it but to do it. You know, the idea that man can do so very much. I'll tell you what, this world loves that kind of approach. To say, you are somebody. I'll tell you what, we need to be humble in the dust before our great God. I know that he is the one who gives power and life and breath. But man on his way up, look at verse 6. They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. <clears throat> That's a lot of folks. <laughs> what do I need God for? I got money in the bank. I got houses and lands. I got folks to take care of me. <clears throat> in Psalm 52, Lord willing, we'll get to this in three or four weeks. Verse 7 Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength. That's the problem. I don't need God. Uh, I'm a pretty strong fellow. I can do this. I have influence. I can just speak, and it'll happen. Well, be careful how you boast. These those who trust in the abundance of his riches and strengthen himself in his wickedness. Yep, a lot of folks like that. And in Psalm 62, verse 10, If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. What did Jesus say? Instead of rejoicing in earthly things, he said, lay your treasures up in heaven. I've been robbed. Maybe you've been robbed, but you won't get robbed in heaven. Yeah. Nobody's going to break in your vehicle. Nobody's going to bust a window in your mansion in heaven. No. God got you covered. He says, that's a place where no thief breaks through and steals. That's a place where no moths eat things up. We've had some things. I used to work at a candy factory in San Leandro. And one day we got this whole shipload of basically candy sticks in their own individual wrappers. But inside the wrappers, they weren't too careful about the condition. And those candy sticks had little bugs. And so the bugs got wrapped, and they were still alive in the packages when we got them. And I said, fellas, all you can eat. No thanks. No thanks. They said, well, if you folks won't eat them, we'll give them to the cattle. So if you ever noticed your cattle from the dairy tasted extra sweet, that might be why. I don't know. <clears throat> but what is the problem with man? He supposes he's going to live forever. We see that 
many a time in Scripture. But in this psalm, look at verse 9. His expectation that he should still live forever and not see corruption. An unsaved man doesn't want to think about the fact he's going to die. He thinks, well, I, I might have a challenge here or there, but we, we live in a day in which we have good doctors. And I can always get a checkup. I can always get some medicine. I, I got a lot of money invested in my medical plan. I've given up this, I've given up that. So I'm going to live forever. It ain't happening, folks. Look at verse 11. Their inward thought is, this is what they're thinking. They might not admit it, but this is what they're thinking. That their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. After all, who else the name a thing after but me? I got the money. I bought it, so it, it's mine. That's what they think. Speaking of names, most of you can remember Jack Duplichet. Many a time I heard him say, you think you're going to build up this, that, and the other and keep it forever? Let me tell you, somebody else is going to be living in that house one day. You remember Brother Jack saying that? Somebody else is going to be spending that money. We need to be reminded that we're not here for the long haul. You say, well, I'm young. David says, I once was young and now I'm old, but I'm not seeing the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. But yet, David and so many others, they got down toward the end and said, I'm going the way of all the earth. If the Lord do not come first, every one of us is going to die. That's right. We got a graveyard. We've got some place where our mortal remains, if you will, are going to be gone. And uh, not only do we read about this, people have this attitude. Look at verse 13 as we saw. This their praise. Hey, look at this. I got a clean bill of health. Yeah. And you could drop dead that same day. It's happened. This their, their way is their folly. Yet their posterity approved their sayings. Hey, high five. This guy's. 75 years old. All right. All right. You're going to live forever, aren't you? No. There's a line in a story I read. Maybe some of you read too. Where a bunch of hypocrites saw the emperor and said, Oh, king, live forever. And he says, I'm not going to live forever. Why are you buttering me up like that? A common greeting, though, among some people. And suppose they're going to live forever. In, uh, in the book of Esther, we read in chapter 5 about a guy, I call him, hey man, that might not be how he said it, but this is what it looks like, it sounds like, and oh, he thought he was top of the heap, he had the emperor impressed, and all these folks, everything's going his way, except he didn't choose, and especially Mordecai. And he was thinking, boy, things are going mighty well for me. 
And then he saw Mordecai. And Mordecai was walking around having a good time. Ooh, that bugs me. I, I can't be happy as long as Mordecai is a happy guy. And his wife and his buddies got together. They said, well, why don't you build a gallows and work it out so you can hang that Jew from your gallows? Hey, I like that idea. That's chapter 5. Looks pretty bad for the Jews. Looks pretty bad for Mordecai. But you only have to go a couple more chapters to read how that his planning, his scheming against the Jews was a plot. And God put Mordecai's niece, little Esther, in a position to have the ear of the king. And she said, King, let's, let's have a banquet. And King, why don't you invite Haman? Haman showed up. Of course, he brought, I'm going to a banquet with the king. <laughs> Boy, I'm coming out of this thing smell like a rose. I'm probably going to be able to spring the trap and get old Mordecai. And he shows up and the queen says, King, there's somebody plotting against me and my people. Who would do a thing like that? This guy. Hey, man. Well, and the gallows were built. And they were used, but not to hang Mordecai. It was Haman who hung on those gallows. He thought he ruled the roost. He thought he could get away with anything. He had the whole situation all tied up, so he thought. But you know that scenario plays out every generation. Look at verse 16. Be not thou afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. And then drop down to 18. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul. Nothing is too good for me. So like the rich man in the Gospel of Luke chapter 16, the Lord contrasts the beggar Lazarus with the rich man. It was Thanksgiving and Christmas and his birthday every day of the year. Nothing was too expensive for him. He had the best. As one of my friends says, he had the bestest there is. And when he died, he found out he went from hero in his own mind to zero. Because death ends. You'll see a lot of hearses going down the highway. You tell me if you ever see a U-Haul behind one. Because you can't take it with you. When uh, somebody wrote a book which has been palmed off as the Book of Mormon. There's a passage which says, Ye cannot take it with ye. Wonder what their inspiration was for that. But that is true. We talked about man on his way up, but it also talks about man on his way down. He comes to realize, albeit too late, that he has his limitations. We saw the optimism in other verses, but verse 7 says, None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. If you're saved this afternoon, you're saved because Jesus Christ was your ransom. He paid the price. He was the sacrifice for you. 
You couldn't do it on your own. Mama couldn't do it for you. Daddy couldn't do it for you. Your preacher couldn't do it for you. Your president couldn't do it for you. Nobody could. No angel could do it for you. Only the Lord. The Lord provided himself a ram, a lamb for us. They all die and the wealth passes to others. As we see in verse 14, like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. The upright shall have dominion over them in the morning and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. Years ago, they made a movie, Dead Poets Society. Maybe you saw that. And uh, the comedian, Robin Williams, was in that movie. He played one of the instructors. And he brings the lads as a boys' school, prep school, and he takes them to this display of some of these famous writers. And he says, men, look, look at these faces. Look at these fellows. What do you know about all these guys? They didn't know much. And he says, food for worms. We think we're going to live forever. We think wrong. We're not going to live forever. Paul Brown loves to say the little poem, only one life will soon be lost. Passed. Passed. Thank you, sir. I'm good. I'm older than you. I can get away with that. <laughs> Only by a few months, anyway. Only one life shall soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ shall last. That kind of hooks on to what we're reminded that Jesus said. Don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. I bought this young lady a coat. I had an opportunity. And we hung it in the closet. And it looked great. And then we got it out of the closet a while later. And the moths decided to give their little contribution. And it looked so good as a result. You get a bright, shiny bike. And uh, you leave it outside. And you don't take care of it. And the chrome gets pitted. And the tires get you know, kind of fuzzy, kind of cheesy. And uh, things oxidize, things wear out, things rust out. There's this ongoing thing. We call it entropy in this world. And if it doesn't break down by use or neglect, it just might get stolen. So you're so much better investing in the bank of heaven. The interest is out of this world, isn't it? But we have our limitations. At the end of the book of Joshua, in the beginning of 1 Kings chapter 2, we find Joshua and David both using the expression, essentially, I'm going the way of all the earth. Because that's the way it goes. I read a study not too, too long ago about executives. And some of these big shots, when they call their underlings in and they talk to those that, now, if anything ever happens to me, they shouldn't say if, they should say when. If the Lord doesn't come first, you'll be gone. I'll be gone. As parents, as leaders, as examples, 
We need to be for our generation. So the next generation, because sooner or later we will be gone. And who's going to step up to the plate? That's why we pray for the Lord to call young preachers. To see families committed. To raise up a godly seed. We want to see in the next generation. You know what will happen if a church, if you just don't care? Say, hey, us four and no more? Pretty soon, it'll be just we three. And then pretty soon, just D and me. And pretty soon, it's just me. We must understand that we are in a great relay. Super marathon. Paul tells Timothy, my time has come. He's passed the baton on. So those of the generation of Timothy and Titus, they live to pass it on and to pass it on and to pass it on. And we hear about passing, we think about it. Grandma and Grandpa, they got their heirlooms. They got their stuff up in the attic. They got stuff to, to help us remember them a little bit. I want to pray why our children and grandchildren Remember Jesus Christ Amen. and the charge that we have to serve Him. Amen. Now, I really like Marsha's potato salad. It doesn't always like me, but I like it. And I hope all the uh, females in the generations that come, at least as long as I'm alive, I hope they know how to follow that recipe. But you can lose a recipe for potato salad, and it won't be the end of the world. That's why we talk to our children and we pray to the Lord about our children that the Lord will save their souls, that the Lord will light a fire under them. Oh, we talk about the good old days of revival when people gave a hoot about the things of God. Nowadays, oh, well, just, just something that goes on. That ought not to be all right here. There's a reason why we sing work, for the night is coming when our work is done. When night falls on your life, would you want it to be said, they didn't know much for the Lord, but they had a great stamp collection. They had more bowling balls than anybody else I ever knew. Marsha and I went to a funeral of a dear friend. He loved the Lord a lot. But you know what the preacher said more than once? He had a lot of books. You got a little books. Well, okay, but uh, he had a lot more than that going for him. That's right. He placed the Lord first in his life. You could see, you could sense that the Lord got a hold of him. You know what? He wouldn't shut up about Jesus. Some people talk about anything and everything until you talk about spiritual things. And they want to change the subject. Like, uh, they've heard enough. So many times we put stock in what we've done or what we aspire to do. And even though a man might be exalted now, he's got to realize that the fame and fortune of this world are fast fleeting like sand. You ever go to the beach and pick up a handful of sand if it's dry and you do this, all the sand goes through your fingers. That's the way life is. Yeah, when I was 16, 17, 18, and people said, young man, 
Make sure you make every minute count. In the back of my mind, like most teenagers, I thought, yeah, yeah, that's for old guys. Well, I looked to the mirror the other day. Guess what? I'm an old guy. We need to understand that we can't redo. We want to make a mark for the cause of Christ. We want people to see a good example so they'll glorify the Lord. That's what the Lord is talking about with good words. So they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Twice in this psalm, we read about these fellows who think they're really somebody. Whoa! Nice thing about wearing suspenders. You can do this kind of thing, like, look, look at me. But you know what? Boils down, we're like the beast that perishes. Must be important because it's twice in this psalm we saw in verse 12 and in verse 20. And in case you forgot, in Daniel chapter 4, there's a fellow named Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel had already warned him. God told me to tell you, don't take yourself too seriously, king. Well, one day he's strutting around and he was really impressed with Babylon. He said, is this not mighty Babylon which I have built? He was too full of himself. And the Lord not only took him, took his kingdom away, he took him out of the kingdom of man. He's down on all fours. And he grasped like an ox. Now, what was that? About a week, wasn't it? Remember how long? Seven years. Seven years. Some people, it takes them a while. Now, I don't think the Lord says, one of these days he'll figure it out. And a guy once told me, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, what am I going to do with eating grass down here? No, I think the Lord gave him his sense back. And he only stood up here and said, well, Glad I pulled myself out of that mess. No. He rejoiced in the Lord Most High. He's the one that puts up kings the going up part and puts down kings the going down part. And this scenario plays out in every generation. Look at verse 17. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. For the moment, he's really somebody. And pretty soon, he's just gone in the mists of the past. Over and done. That was then, this is now. Used to have a boy there in Millington that uh, if I start talking about somebody, he said, yeah, what happened to him? Well, he died about 200 years ago. Yeah, so he's dead. The grave is unforgiving. And the living generation many times has the attitude, forget about them. I had a young man that uh, take to church with me and when I drive from Fremont back to Haywood sometimes, he was interested in, of all things, in graveyards. And so one day we stopped, it was a sunny day, we stopped at a graveyard and he said, let's go look around and and he sees one of the headstones that says, Gone but not forgotten. And then we saw another one, Gone but not forgotten. And we finally found the keeper of the cemetery there. And I said, What can you tell me about 
This guy, oh, that was long before my time. That guy died. Everybody in his family died. We would cut the grass because it's imperfectible. But I, I forget. I don't know anything about him. You have to put anything on a gravestone, just like you put anything in a hymnal. That, that doesn't mean the person who wrote the tune for that song really died in 1002. Because a piece of paper they still let you write anything you want on it, won't it? But you remember that. Verse 19, he shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. When we die, we leave this world empty-handed, without property, promise, or prospect. That rich man had everything money could buy on earth and then he died and he woke up in torment wanted to get the beggar Lazarus to get him a drink he had no servants to do his bidding he, had, he didn't have a cooler didn't have air conditioning or anything like that he was miserable he cried out for comfort and it happened Father Abraham made that clear again. A man named Dante wrote, among other things, an account of what he thought hell would be like. And he said at the opening of hell, there was an archway that said, Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. I've heard people say, Hey, you hear about old Charlie? And if you have a kid folk named Charlie, don't take offense. I just name my kid. Old Charlie does. Yeah, he, he's probably giving the devil fits down there in hell. I don't think so. I don't think so. So man on his way up. Man on his way down. But the one who is constant through it all is the Lord. Look at verse 15. God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. If I made a promise like that to somebody, I'd be lying through my teeth. I can't redeem anybody from the power of the grave. And don't you tell that to somebody, because you can't either. It'll all work out. Oh, yeah? You're God now? Well, I just think happy thoughts. It's not going to cut it. For he shall receive me. It's because of the Lord. Right before the Psalms, we have the book of Job. Probably the oldest book in our Bible. And yet there's a precious promise that speaks to us in 2022. Look at verses 25 and 27. For I know that my Redeemer liveth. George Washington, great guy, humanly speaking, but he's dead. He can't do anything for you. He can't do anything for me. He's powerless. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Job knew that there was a Messiah coming. And he would stand upon the earth. We talked about him some this morning, didn't we? And though after my skin worms destroy this body, the Egyptians were so eager to preserve the body 
That's why they mummified their kings and captains and others. Because as long as the body was intact, there was hope that the slight force could come back and they come back from the dead. But no matter what happens to your body, disintegrating in the ground, you die at sea and the creatures of the sea eat your body. When they found the remains of the Titanic, they found shoes, they found other garments, they found dishes, they found all kinds of things. <clears throat> they didn't find any bodies. They didn't even find any bones. Dissolved. Eaten up. Eaten away. Even if all that stuff happens to your body, Job said what? Yet in my flesh shall I see God. Some people, well, when we die, we're just going to be like ghosts to we would be a bunch of spirits. No, and they and some people call themselves Baptists, believe that. We've met some of them. They say the resurrection, yeah, that was true till 1870. Ain't no more resurrection. Well, there is a resurrection. And if we go by the clod route, I'm talking about clods of dirt now, we will rise. And the Lord will give us a body, a body that won't have toothache. A body that won't need, you know, all that stuff you watch in the commercials, you know, if you got this, 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 indigestion, blah, blah, blah. You won't need pepto bismol in heaven. Those commercials is in your chest. You're irritable. You're getting a headache. Yeah, you watch that commercial, you'll get a headache. No headaches. Won't need dentists or anybody else along those lines. Come heaven. Though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I, shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. I told you there's four kinds of reins. Comes out of the clouds, what a king does, your insides, and then me. This is talking about number three, your insides. You say, well, when my body's all gone, how is God going to do that? There was a time when people said, I'm going to have my body cremated so God can't resurrect me. You really think you're going to stifle God? No, no. You say, well, you see, uh, my body's made up of all these chemicals and all these cells and organs tissues and stuff like that. You're not going to school God. He's not going to say, what do I do? They got eaten up by the fishes. Or they, their body was eaten up by acid or something else. No problem for the Lord. It happens. It happens by His Word. He will redeem from everything and from the grave. In John 14, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Now, I could be wrong, but I think the reason he said that was just some of the apostles, they were worrywarts. You worry about what's going to happen? And I remember a few years ago, I looked at the old Marshall, look, a gray hair. Well, it wasn't alone for long. They say, with most fellows, either your hair turns light or turns loose or does both. 
Yeah, you got a real in-your-face reminder that you're getting older. You're going through with time. But Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. You know what this world says? You live and then you die and that's it. That's why when they made that mockery of a so-called play, Jesus Christ Superstar, they had him going through his life and he goes to the great, he goes to Golgotha and then he's taken to the garden and he's buried. That's it. There's no hope outside of Jesus Christ. And that's what the world wants to tell you. When you die, you're like Rover. You're dead all over. That's it. End of story. But read the book. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I go to prepare a place for you. And there's more to it. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and receive you unto myself. He's not going to say, uh, Angel 36742, he's going to take care of you. I don't want to talk to you. No. That's not the Lord speaking. I'm honored to be named for Stephen, who is as life was being pounded out of him on this planet. He looked up and he saw Jesus standing to receive him. I hear people say at funerals almost every time, I'll see Mama in heaven. Well, if she's a child of God, I know you will. I'll see my husband. I'll see my wife. It's all well and good. I don't want to take anything away from that. But you know what I want to see and I hope you most want to see? It's Jesus. Amen. What I did for you, what no one else could, no one else would. And we look to Him. Look at me please in Psalm 73. Because the Lord's got you right here, right now. But He doesn't lose you when you die. Psalm 73, verse 24. We talked, again, this morning in Sunday school, we talked about how the Holy Spirit has a care for us. He's our comforter. He's our guide. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. Pay attention to what God says, because he's not going to give you a bone steer. You say, well, yeah, but what about when I come to the end of my life? And afterward, Receive me to glory. That was the psalmist's conviction. And I hope it yours as well. There were two thieves the day Jesus was crucified. One on either side. Now, uh, we were talking with the McDowell's. And we got to talking with this guy. And he went to an interesting church. They knew whether it was the left thief and a white thief, even knew the guy's name that repented. Well, maybe they know and maybe they just think they know. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say, so I'm going to go silent on that. But whichever one it was, the Lord said, this day you will be with me in paradise. 
That kills this lie that's going around among some people. They call it soul sleep. When you die, your soul just kind of goes to sleep. And one of these days, you'll wake up and be with the Lord. So maybe you want to hope that it's not too long. They're reading a different Bible, aren't they? Scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What about the apostles didn't know anything about limbo? Or what's the other one they have? Purgatory, yeah. I wonder why they don't talk about that stuff. The only place I can find purgatory is Hebrews 1, where it says Christ purged our sins. That's what purgatory I know anything about. But Jesus did give that promise. I will be this day with you in paradise. That's a pretty good word. That's what I'm going to go by. Remind you once more from our psalm. Back to verse 5. What say he here? Verse 49. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? I haven't been always right. I haven't always been honest and upright and all of that. But the Lord has got my back. The Lord has your back. And rejoice in verse 15. God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Can you rejoice in that? I close with what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, the 8th verse. You know, when I talk about beginnings, let's celebrate somebody was born. Somebody got married. Somebody uh, has their education and started a new job. We talk about beginnings. And yet it's good to have beginnings. But Solomon says the end is greater than the beginning. Well, I want to be optimistic every time I see a young couple getting married. But it does something to encourage me when I see a couple who spent 50, 60, or more years together. They haven't wrung each other's neck. Marcia and I heard this fellow who said, my wife and I have never discussed divorce. Murder many times, but never divorce. That means they stayed with the stuff. The love that they pledged at the altar, they weren't just fooling around. They stayed with the stuff. God bless them. Not everybody gets so many years. Some get much shorter time. But God is the God who sees you through. And the end can be even better than the beginning. Somebody said that applies to sermons. That's it. Well, maybe so, maybe not. Well, may this speak to your heart. Let's stand for a word of prayer.